You know, if you were to ask me about the year 2020, I would tell you that there's been a couple things that I've learned along the way. First of all, life is full of uncertainties. The second big thing that I have learned is that so much of what happens in life is completely out of our control. Matter of fact, the one thing that we can actually control is how we respond to life's uncertainties. But the feeling of uncertainty and loss of control can, can really unveil some issues and some challenges and some problems in our lives. We can begin to deal with the problem of of just insignificance and and insecurity, just problems of loneliness, problems of of self-image, problems with fear and worry and doubt about the future. And all of those problems can cause us to ask a lot of questions, a lot of questions about life, a lot of questions about God, ultimately leading to this one big question. Does God actually care about me? Does God actually care about my life? If you are wrestling with with any of this very real and puzzling perplexity, well, I want you to know that this song this morning, today, is dedicated to you. Because out of all of the songs that Israel's King David wrote, this is one of the best. Matter of fact, it would have been on Billboard's top 10 list back in the day. These song lyrics describe a person who is standing alone searching for answers regarding himself, not just about himself, but searching for answers about the world that he was living in and about his God. This psalm provides all of us with a calm certainty that there is a significant, undeniable link between us and God. No one has been haphazardly or accidentally placed into this world. This psalm also allows us to see that God is very real And he's very personal and he's very involved and he cares. He cares very deeply and he cares very deeply about you. And when you know that truth and it becomes foundational in your life, then all of a sudden things like global pandemics and national moments of crisis and all of the uncertainties and the insecurities and fears and these moments of feeling very insecure, they will begin to turn into moments of faith And trust. You will actually begin to realize that not only is God there, but God is actually here. I love the words of Chuck Swindoll. He says, He is reachable, He is knowable, He's available, and He's real. All alienation is removed, all strained formalities and religious protocol are erased. Not only is He here, but he is involved and interested in each individual on this speck of a planet called earth. And in Psalm chapter 139, we see that David raises a lot of questions, but we also see how God answers those questions. Four questions that deal with our most basic human problems. And the very first one is this, does God know me? That question brings up the problem of identity. If you are working or if you work today for a large organization, someplace like maybe Delta Airlines or Atlanta-based Home Depot, it's unlikely that you, that you have had a chance to meet or get to know the people who are on top of the leadership org chart of those organizations. You, you know their names. You, you probably have read emails from them or have seen announcements that have come from their office. But chances are you don't really know them personally and they probably don't know you either. 
So it's only natural to wonder if the creator and the supreme ruler of the universe has even the slightest idea of who you really are. But listen to the words of David in Psalm chapter 139, verse 1. He says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. David says that that, that the Lord searches him and knows him. The Hebrew term that, that led to this translation means to explore. It's the idea of digging deeply into something. Now here's a cool thought. The God of the universe explores and digs into and examines your life. David says he sees when you're sitting down and he is watching when you are standing up. Your thoughts are an open book to him. When David writes that God discerns our thoughts from afar, that means that God understands what prompts us to think certain thoughts. But he also understands the hidden unspoken unspoken motives behind our our, our actions. David goes on and says that the Lord searches out our path. In other words, he is sifting through all of our decisions and all of our choices. That means that he is thoroughly acquainted with you. David says he knows your words even before they come out of your mouth. Now think about this, because this is really, this is how powerful God really is. He knows every word of every language spoken by every human being in every country on every continent at every moment of every day. Listen to what the Apostle Matthew writes. He says in, in Matthew 10, 30, he says, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. So God not only knows what hairs I have left, but he actually knows all of the ones that have fallen out. He has numbered them all. Listen, God's not stalking you. He's not concerning himself with trivial matters because he wants to meddle in your business. Listen, he is simply omniscient. That's who he is. He is fully aware of all things at all times. He sees the visible and he sees the invisible. He knows the public you and he knows the private you. David says, Lord, you know it all. You know everything. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read every verse of Psalm chapter 139, but I will tell you that verses five and six remind us that God is in control of the smallest details of creation and the most personal details of our lives. And not just that, but David tells us that he actually surrounds us with his presence and he puts his hand on us. That means that we are never lost and we are never forgotten. You may have people in your life that that misunderstand you or maybe they've misread your intentions, but God is never confused by you. You may feel like nobody gets you or, or even maybe no one understands you. But listen, God not only gets you, but he understands you. David says, for God to have this kind of knowledge about us is just, he says, that's too wonderful for him. He admits, he says, it's beyond me. It's so high that I just, I can't even get my mind around it. And so God knows you. Tonight, listen, I want you to, to go outside. If, if the sky is clear, I want you to look up at the vast array of stars and I want you to stay there long enough to allow your mind to grasp the enormity of the galaxy, the galaxy above you. And then I want you to remind yourself that you are more important and more significant to your creator 
than all of those stars put together. That's how much God cares about you. And he, not just, he doesn't just care about you, but I want you to know that he knows you. Here's the second question that comes to our minds during times like this. Is God close to me? And when we ask that question, sometimes it brings up the problem of loneliness. Listen, we know that God knows us we, and, and then he controls all things, but he can do that from a distance. He can, he can do that from millions of, of light years of space. But is he near? And David looks at us and he says, yes, he, he is. He's omnipresent. That means that, that there is simply no place where God is not. Look at verse 7 in your Bibles. It says, where shall I go from your spirit, David asks, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I, if I make my bed in Sheol, you, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. David says, Lord, there's, there's no escaping your presence. No matter where I go, you are there. Even if I tried to hide from you, you're still there. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I travel to the, to the most remote part of the ocean and I'm stuck out there where I can't see any land, your hand would still be leading me and your hand would still be holding me. Listen, I, I know that right now for a lot of people, loneliness is a big issue. There are people who are still in quarantine situations and, and honestly, they're weary, they're, they're fatigued. We're hearing those kind of things. Many of you have, have not seen loved ones face to face for many months and it's, it's just taken a toll on you emotionally. It, 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 it's making you feel isolated. We've not had a public gathering at Westridge Church since March 8th and we've talked to so many of you who are feeling distance, distant from God right now. Listen, I want you to know God knows all of your emotions. Verse 11 and 12 remind us that nothing is hidden from him. Our, our Heavenly Father sees it all. He understands the difficulties you're facing right now. He knows the uniqueness of this situation. He, he knows you, he sees you, and he cares about you. Now, at this point in the psalm, I, I think we, we need to stop and recognize the fact that we have talked about two of God's attributes that appear to almost collide with one another. They, they actually seem to clash with one another. Author Chuck Swindoll says he is transcendent, which means he exists outside of the universe, beyond the scope of space and time and the laws of physics. He is immensely greater and more powerful than all of the mass and matter of the universe combined. And yet, God is also imminent, which means he relates intimately and personally with each and every person. He manages the universe and yet knows every minute detail of seven billion individual lives. He cares deeply. He knows it all. He sees when you're lonely and he's in control. The third question is, how carefully has he made me? And it raises the problem of self-image. Listen, I believe that one of the greatest proofs that God actually exists is the human body. The next section of Psalm chapter 139 is one of the most important and powerful revelations in all of scripture. When I, when I read this, I want you to remember that David wrote this at a time when anatomy and embryology, which is the study of unborn babies, was pretty much an unknown subject. All right? And yet David lays out the prenatal stages of development with such clarity and such insight. Look at verse 13. He says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. 
Now I want you to stop right there for a moment. Okay, David uses this word, this pronoun you, to make a strong point here. He says, God is the one who performs the miracle of creating life. In the original Hebrew, the word formed means originate. God originates our inward parts. Inward parts literally mean kidney. Now back in ancient times, the kidneys were symbolic of all of our vital organs, our hearts, our, the lungs, our brain, our liver, on and on. And David says that God actually knitted him together in his mother's womb. In other words, God's involved very personally in placing all of our organs and all of the vital parts of our body together in this amazing, well-fashioned order. Now think for a moment about how our muscles and our tendons and our bones and even our blood and our veins and our arteries, think about how they're all working together. God knitted it all together inside of your mother. You are, you are his unique creation. I mean, thousands of years before abortion became a political issue in our nation, the Holy Spirit led David to write these words to remind us that our, our bodies originated with God and they actually belong to God. Therefore, the life of an unborn baby belongs to God at the moment of conception. So to take the innocent life of an unborn baby while it's still in the womb of its mother or even when it's outside of its mother's womb would be a sinful act of murder. You can see right here in Psalm chapter 139 that, that abortion, listen, this is not a Republican issue. This is not a Democratic issue. This is a moral issue. This is a spiritual issue. It's, it's it actually an issue that's very near and dear to the heart of God. Listen to what David says next about this issue. He says in verse 14, he says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. I love these words, fearfully and wonderfully made. That means that no matter the circumstances surrounding your conception, no matter your ethnicity or your gender, you were intentionally made. God didn't just randomly create you. You were remarkably and wonderfully made. When David says that he was made in secret and intricately woven into the, the depths of the earth, he is referring to the skill that God used when he formed him. Moses used the same term in the book of Exodus when he referred to the creation of the, of the curtains in the ancient tabernacle. The idea is, is similar to an embroidered piece of tapestry or a, or a work of fine needlepoint. And God is, is, is like a skilled artist who takes great pain in making sure that our bodies are formed in a place of perfection, the womb of a mother. And while, and while in there, what's going on, God is skillfully embroidering our veins and our arteries to all work together. Look at verse 16, David goes on and he says, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. David says, God, listen, your eyes saw me when, when I was formless. The words unformed sub substance in the Hebrew mean to fold up together or to, to, to wrap up. And it, it appears only one time in the Old Testament and it's right here and, and it means embryo. In other words, David is saying, in my very first hours, in the very first days of my life after conception, when I was still wrapped up in an embryonic form, God was watching over me. 
Now just think about that for a moment. God marked out and formed our days even before we were born. The word formed has the same idea of a, of a potter who, who forms a piece of clay on a wheel. And, and as it's being shaped, he's, he's moving it around, he's pressing it, he's shaping it, he's, he's pulling at it until it takes the exact shape that he has in mind. And that is how involved God was in your creation. That's how careful, carefully and remarkably and wonderfully God made you. So whenever you have a moment where you feel insecure or you feel inadequate, or you feel insignificant, or you, or you wonder if your life matters to God, I want you to take a moment and I want you to think about how God was involved so intimately at your creation. Think of how carefully God made you and then remember how interested he is even in the smallest details of your life. He's created you for a plan and he's created you for a purpose. Well, if God has given so much detail, forethought to, to our birth and he's designed our body so carefully for a plan and a purpose, then how much will he help us? How much will he help me, especially with my future? And that brings up the fourth question. How much will God actually help me out here? And when we think about that, it raises up the problem of fear and worry about the future. And here's what David writes in verse 17. He says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Now at this point, David is completely overwhelmed and at the same time comforted by God's immense knowledge. David knows that no matter the circumstances, he is in the presence of God and he is intimately known by him. In other words, you are always on God's mind. He is always thinking about you. He loves you that much. That means that, that you can take every thought, you can take every worry, you can take every fear about your future and you can actually cast it upon him. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, he says, give all of your, your, your worries and your cares to God for he cares about you. He's actually saying, take those worries, take those fears and throw them, cast them upon God because that's how much he cares about you. Now, if you go down to verse 23, you notice that David makes what appears to be a strange request of God. Here's what he says. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any, any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He said, what, what's happening at the end of this Psalm? David is inviting the Lord to look deep inside of his life and to search him. He asks the Lord, he says, Lord, I want you to take your spotlight and I want you to go down deep into my thought life. And David invites him to dig through and to explore and to see if there are any sinful motives that are secretly hidden in his life. He actually requests that God puts him to the test to find out if there's any thoughts that would lead him away from a close, intimate fellowship with God. David knows already that God, that God knows everything about him down to the tiniest detail of his life. But David is making this request because he wants to know what God will uncover. When you go to, to get a physical, you, you, you know you, you get blood work done. There's a series of tests that you go through to, to check out your heart. They, they check your blood pressure. They listen to your lungs. Some of it is, is actually really unpleasant. But you don't do all of that knowledge for the, for, you don't do all of that work for the, for the doctor's knowledge. You do it for your knowledge. 
You want to you know what's going on inside of you in places that you can't even see, in some places you can't even feel. You want to know if your cholesterol is good. You want to know if your heart's working properly. You want to know if your oxygen levels are right. You want to know what your blood work reveals. Why? So you can make some adjustments so that you can, can live a long, healthy life. And that's exactly the thought process behind David's request. David wants God to show him what's going on inside. He wants God to reveal the hidden sinful things in David's life so he can repent of those things and so he can be a man of God regardless of the cost. Now you might be thinking, I'm not sure I want to invite God to do that kind of intrusive work in my life. I'm not sure I want to know those results. And I would ask you this question, why not? Why not? As we've already discovered, he already knows it all. He already sees it all. And yet, he still loves you and cares about you. I don't know about you, but knowing all of that just makes me want to have a walk with God that is deep and intimate. It makes me want to to get past a Christianity that is treated as nothing more than a ticket to heaven to where my relationship with Jesus consumes every area of my life. I want my will to be his will. I want my desires to be his desires. I want my plans to be his plans. I want my thoughts to be his thoughts. And listen, as you open your life up to God and say, Lord, search me, God. Dig deep, even if it's uncomfortable, because I I want to walk closely and intimately with you. Listen, you will begin to notice the insecurities of life begin to fade away. You'll begin to notice that peace and faith will begin to wash over your worries and fears, that feelings of insignificance will begin to be replaced with meaning and purpose. So the question here today is this, does God care? And more than anything and more personally, does God care about me? And here's the answer, more than you could ever imagine. More than you could ever imagine. Wherever you are today, I want you to bow your head for just a moment. And I want you just to take a moment if you would. And I want you just to thank God that he knows you. Thank God that he cares so deeply about you. Thank God that, that, that he knows the thoughts that you're thinking even before you think them. Thank him that he took such personal care to create you so wonderfully, so fearfully, and so remarkably. Thank him that he, that he knows your thoughts. He, He knows your heart. He knows the steps before you're going to take them. He knows your plans before you plan them out. And he's drawing you closer. He's pulling you in. He's still coming after you. He's still pursuing you because he loves you that much. And maybe sometime, even at this very moment, you might want to say something like, Lord, would you search me? Because I want you to go down into the hidden places. I want you to go deep into the places that, Lord, I don't even know about. And Lord, would you reveal the hidden things? Would you reveal the motives that, Lord, I don't even know that are there, that, Lord, are contrary to your plan for my life, contrary to your will for me? And would you reveal them, Lord? And if I see that they're offensive to you, Lord, would you quickly allow me to humble myself and repent of those things so that things can be right between me and you, Lord? I don't want a relationship that's nothing more than a ticket to heaven. I want a deep personal walk. I want to be so close to you, Lord, that when I'm thinking, I'm thinking your thoughts, Lord, that when I'm planning, I'm planning out 
your plans. Lord, when, when Lord, I'm, I'm looking ahead to my future, Lord, I'm, I'm more interested in what your thoughts are and what your plans are and what your thoughts are for my future than my own. I wanna be that close, Lord. I wanna be that intimate. Why would we not wanna be there? Oh my goodness. We have a God who's taken such time to not only knit us into our mother's womb, like fine needle point, but yet he's involved even to this day in the smallest, most minute details of our lives. Oh, thank you. Praise God for all of that. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that Psalm chapter 139 reminds us, Father, of how much you truly do care about us and how much, Lord, you have, how much we're on your mind. No matter where we go, we can't escape you, Lord, because you're there. And not just are you there, Lord, but you're there for us. If you're watching today from wherever you are and you've never put your faith and trust in the hands of the one who gave his life for you, Jesus Christ, this could be your moment. This is your moment. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your savior, to be your Lord, I want you to take a moment right now with a humble heart, come before him and just say, Lord, at this very moment, Jesus, I put all of my faith and all of my trust in you. I ask you to be my savior, to be my rescuer. Lord, I am sorry for my sins. Lord, I can't get to heaven without you. I can't even make it through this life and certainly the next few months without you. I need you leading me and guiding me. But Lord, I have a sin issue in my life and I need forgiveness. And so Jesus, you went to the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. And I put all of my faith and all of my trust right now in you. And I ask you to be my savior. What you did for me on the cross was enough. And I thank you for that. And I receive salvation into my life, a salvation I don't deserve. And I ask you and I thank you in Jesus' name. If you just prayed with us just now to make it a salvation decision or if you need anything else, I want you to text the word follow to 770-222-2125. Follow to 770-222-2125.